series that we're doing. It's about what we believe and specifically what we believe as a church. I'm a Christian. I know why I'm a Baptist, and there's other good denominations that are Christians too, obviously, but it is my call that I need to make sure you understand what we believe, and and so that's why we're going through all these areas, and and it's not even about pushing Wednesday nights, but you're just really missing out because I am just doing an overview on these sermons, and I am giving some explanation here and all that, but on Wednesday nights, we're like really unpackaging this, and you can ask questions and things like that because we. Wa- I want you to know what you believe because it's not about it's not about your pastor getting out there and talking to all your friends about how to become a Christian because the Bible is nowhere about that. It is about all of us going and presenting the gospel and giving a reason for the hope that we have. And so, my job, my calling, is to encourage and equip you in that. And so, I'll help you however I can. Um, I saw the movie Jesus Revolution. Uh, Friday, and uh, you know, no offense, I love Christian movies, but sometimes they're great, but they're kind of here compared to other things on quality and stuff like that, and they're good, they got good messages, not put down, if you're going to crucify me later, that's your business, but um, the Jesus movie was a very high quality movie, it was based on a historical event, it's got some pretty high caliber actors in it, and it's, it's a true story. You need to go see it. My wife is gone. She hasn't left me for good. She went to see grandkids, and I'll go pick her up Tuesday, and I'm going to... It was kind of interesting, the people I was with at the movie, uh, I heard a lot of sobbing, and I'm the tough guy, but when I got on the phone with my wife, I cried like a California schoolgirl or whatever. Um, Because of the fact, this is a story about real people that Christ changed their life in a time in the country during a lot of bad stuff, that people were going the wrong way. Sound familiar? It's important today. So I'll tell you this. I'll talk to my wife. I'm going to go see it when she gets back. If it's still on next Sunday afternoon, you, you uh, supper clubs, sometimes I get to go eat with you. Sometimes you just leave me in the parking lot, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But anyway, you know who you are. Uh, but if... <laughs> and I'm not trying to get a free bill. Okay, but anyway... Um, if, it is, if it's playing next Sunday afternoon, anybody wants to go, let's go. If it gets off before that, I'll put something out that, hey, it's going off or whatever. But it's going to bless you. It's also going to encourage you because we're in very similar times. And we've got to believe that Jesus can change people. I'm not ruining the movie for you, but it opens with a, a massive baptism. And it is people that you wouldn't think. Some of you will know what hippies are. Uh, but they're out there getting baptized in the ocean and a huge amount of people. And, and we're going to talk about baptism today. And we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper. And again, I'm going to go to the God's Word. What we believe. And some of you are in different places on this. And so I don't say that if there's anything that offends you, let the Word of God offend you. Because we have to go by the biblical definitions of what God says about baptism and what God says about the Lord's Supper. We struggle to understand these things, and we struggle to, like with the Lord's Supper, we'll talk about here in a little bit, talks about examining yourself. And a lot of times, whether it's baptism or the Lord's Supper, we think we got to be perfect to partake of those. Well, that doesn't work for me. Um, so let's take a look and see what the Bible says. And I, 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 
I call this sermon the commands, and we we're gonna. Cho- you can either choose to ignore two commands that Christ left us with, or you can choose to obey them. And your action step today is celebrate, obey the commands of Christ, observe them, and participate. Now I will say this again on the Lord's Supper. There's been times where it's like I wasn't there. I mean, I know God will forgive, forgive me and all those things, but I'm not talking about when I was serving it or whatever. But in the churches I've been in or have been a member, there was times, you know, if, if I wasn't there, I'm not talking about being perfect, but my heart wasn't. And you can get your heart right pretty quick and get forgiveness. You know, it's okay if you don't partake. But we need to regularly celebrate, obey the commands of Christ. We need to observe them, and we need to participate in them. And your points spell out the word obey. And yes, I got points for all of those this time. I thought it was funny last week. But anyway, um, Article 7, not in the paper, but this is uh, what we officially believe. Let's put that up there because, you know, I need to read that to you. Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's an act of obedience, symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior the believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ is a testimony to his faith in the final resurrection of the dead. Being a church ordinance, it's a prerequisite to the privileges of church membership and to the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a symbolic act of obedience whereby members of the church, through partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine, memorialize the death of the Redeemer and anticipate his second coming. Now, I know you got that all memorized, because I do not. But, guys, there's a pamphlet back here. If you're wondering the things we're talking about and what we believe, please take one. It's a summary of the things. And what what people that are way smarter than I am have done, have summarized the things we believe as Baptists. And, again, on Sunday night, I mean, excuse me, Wednesday nights, we're unpackaging that and talking about it, and it's really good. So we have commands. God gave us two ordinances, and when I think of ordinances, I think of ammunition maybe, okay, but that's not what we're talking about. An ordinance, and again, I have to ask the question, at one time Baptists would understand that, but let's, that word ordinance means decree or command. And so that's why I entitled the sermon, The Commands. And other denominations may call them sacraments, but there's a problem uh, in the terminology of that because a sacrament is very different than an ordinance or command. And one is an act that, uh, that we're called to do. We believe the act doesn't give, uh, doesn't give grace, but the act shows and gives an example of God's grace. The difference between a sacrament and an ordinance is this. When we call something a sacrament, in our church we don't believe in sacraments. Oh, man, that's sacrilegious. I play on words there. Okay? But a sacrament is saying, like if we were to do the Lord's Supper, that this literally, and again, I'm not putting down a denomination. I'm talking about the Bible, that this, this fruit of the vine and this bread literally, for the moment we take this, become the literal bread and body of Christ. I find that nowhere in the Bible. These are symbolic of what God has done, of his body and of of his blood. And so that's a big difference. It's to show grace. It's to teach grace. They don't give grace. You're going to be more saved by taking the Lord's Supper 
or not taking the Lord's Supper. We do this because it's an ordinance that Christ commanded that we remember, and we'll get into that in a little bit. It celebrates uh, these commands. It celebrates the grace and blessings that we are given and receive when we receive Christ. And so let's talk about the Lord's Supper. We're kind of mixed up on it, and some people think it's a club, but here's the deal. There's been some churches that have had closed Lord's Suppers. You know, if you weren't a member of that specific church, and, if I get, and, we're, and that's not us, and if I get in trouble, I don't agree with it because I believe, yes, you're a member of a local church. You see that in the, in the Bible. You see that in Acts that the church had members and, and the church voted and did things. But we're talking about a member of the church universal of Christ. And so where does that start? That starts with faith in Christ, realizing you're a sinner, believing Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead, and asking him to come into your life to save you and follow him as Lord. None of that is of yourself. But there is an act that shows your obedience. It doesn't save you. And before we get into this, the thief on the cross busts anything that says you have to be baptized to be saved. Hmm. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And so Jesus got down from the cross. He got the thief down from the cross. They went over some water and he baptized him. Didn't happen. But Jesus left us with a command not to save us, but to show that we are his and to associate with him. And so if you are able as a believer to be baptized, you should be baptized. You're not, it's not going to save you. It's not going to keep you. But it's a command that he left us with. And that baptism, and we'll get into this in a minute, baptism is the immersion of believers in water. And the word baptismal means to submerse in water, to dip under. And that means to submerge, to plunge, to immerse. All right, now we're going to take a pause. And, I want, and before you think, oh, he's picking on me and how I was raised, I'm not. Okay, but my wife, when we became youth ministers here 30-plus years ago, had not experienced believer's baptism. My wife had been sprinkled as a child, as a baby. And I'm not downing the churches as in, but we need to really talk about this. We believe in believer's baptism. When you can consciously, on your own, understand your need for Christ and you receive Christ, then you follow in baptism. So how did we get into sprinkling and infant baptism? Well, early part in America, actually before this, some of the verses that you'll see is that you'll see when, when uh, Paul, would, someone would get saved, you would see the term like the Philippian jailer, he and, his household, he and his household were baptized. That doesn't mean all the kids, if they couldn't make a decision, were baptized, but he was the head of the house and he led them towards the direction of Christ. But how did we get into infant baptism? It was said at one time in America, you weren't really a family unless you had lost a child. And I want you to understand the infant mortality rate was very high. Babies would die and hardly anybody would survive. And so parents wanted to be reassured that their kids were going to heaven. Well, I want to help you with that. You don't need to be sprinkled to do that. Because David, when he lost a child, he said, I, he cannot come to me, but I can go to him. And so I want you to understand, children that die that haven't received Christ yet are with God. Those that are not conscious, um, let's talk about those that may be mentally challenged that can't figure it out. They're okay. They're with God. 
But this age of accountability, we came up with that. Whoever came up with that, maybe they need to get a copyright and make money off it. I don't know. But this age of accountability basically means when you're able to figure out that you're a sinner and you need Christ, that's when you need to receive Christ. I was saved at age five. Some were saved years later. Uh, Spiritual maturity, when you understand that, doesn't matter on physical age. It's when you figure that out. And you don't have to have everything figured out. You just got to figure out that you need Christ. And so for my wife as an example, she's not here, so I'll talk about it, but she'll, anyway. Um, But for my wife as an example, she had to come to that point, and you shouldn't be insulted. Here's another reason why infant baptism was happening. The church at the time was like, if we get the child, we'll have them forever. If we baptize the child, we'll have the family forever. I'm just going to the Bible. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about being anything else. We believe in believer's baptism, and when you figure out you need Christ and call on Christ, you should fall in baptism, and it doesn't save you, but it shows whose you are and identifies who you are with. And so, you know, for some of you, that may be you need to follow in believer's baptism. And it doesn't mean you're any worse. You just God may have, have let you know. And it's important. Is it important? It's the fulfillment of the Great Commission because Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bad, uh, baptism uh, is Trinitarian. It's a Trinitarian act. It's reminding the believer that our... Uh, that our situation that we are, we are promised, it has been accomplished and has been applied, we are saved. And it points to the one true God, the triune God, the Father. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when you go under, it is a picture of your death, burial, and, the, and uh, of Christ. And when you come up, raised to newness of life. The resurrection. It's a beautiful picture of what Christ did. It's a beautiful picture of what happens spiritually in your life. And there's a lot of people, we get it mixed up, they're just saying, I want to get baptized. Well, you can go to hell wet. I want you to understand, baptism doesn't save you, but when you're saved, you should do it because it witnesses. People see a picture. And so that's why you need to participate and observe in that because it shows how someone is saved, buried and raised to newness of life. Romans 6, 4 says this, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too may, may we walk in newness of life. This is a picture of life from death. It is a powerful witness of the gospel and, and, the, and, and, the, and the provision the Father made through the Son. It is our redemption. Baptism is a picture of a believer's death to sin and his resurrection to walk in newness of life. And it's an exciting thing. And it's, we're talking about we don't want to be conformed. Um, silly putty, you know, a lot of you that had silly putty and you had those little... Uh, forms or whatever, you put the silly putty in there and you press the form and it would take that shape. Well, guess what? It's still silly putty and you can make it back. But when you transform something, it has changed. And we're not to be conformed to this world. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. It shows that our life is being transformed, and when we follow in believers' baptism, we're worshiping God by saying, and Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you also. You're never going to be good enough to be baptized. You're never going to be good enough to be saved. You're saved by grace. So jump in, 
boys, the water's fine. Yes, that's Brother Warthon. I know Alan got it. You know, you talked about a pitcher, but that clip would have been great after I thought about it. But, uh, and, then, and then you ladies just have to endure that. But anyway, uh, symbolically, we're dying and raising a newness of life, newness of Christ's grace, and we're called to obey this. We also see and view baptism as, as a visual sign of an entrance into a covenant relationship with God and his people. Okay, again, none of this saves you, none of this, but we should be willing to do this. And what it shows, when we have somebody become a member of the uh, church, have you received Christ as Savior and Lord? Have you followed in believer's baptism? This is a visual sign of, uh, it's not about signing the line and filling out a form, but it's saying, you know what, I'm willing to be counted with Christ and his people. And I'm willing to be counted so much that I'm going to follow in baptism to be identified with Christ. And that is a sign. And, and part of membership is this. this is, have you received Christ as Savior and Lord? And have you followed in believers' baptism? Baptism is both a separating and a unifying or ordinance. It separates the old life and commits the baptized to the new life in Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so we, we see this as an act of obedience, but it's not necessary for salvation, as we talked about in the thief and the cross. We baptize not to be a Christian. We are baptized because we are a Christian. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, Baptists know that one pretty good. We're saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast as a gift of God. And so we know that it's by faith alone in Christ alone that we're saved, uh, but when you know Christ and when you receive Christ, you should follow in baptism to show whose you are. You know, I talk about voice of the martyrs and, and you know, like a lot of the voice of the martyrs reports on those that are suffering for their faith. And there's a lot of Christians that are in prison for their faith. And when somebody comes to Christ in those prisons, you know, I mentioned this before, but one story was talking about some of the other Christians start a fake fight and there may be a sink or a puddle there and they'll splash water. And they're going to do whatever they can to follow in that act of obedience. But when we can, ideally, and I think in America so far, we're not, we're not crushed or whatever, and my wife is tougher than me, but she got, she got baptized, I believe, in March in the spring. She went down to the creek, you know, and right now it's kind of cold, and, you know, she fell in baptism. We got an indoor one, too, whatever you need to do. But, you know, when we can do this, that's a good thing. But, you know, he's not going to get picky on the amount. It's the obedience, okay, when we understand. And so we, so we believe in believer's baptism. And, again, I gave you an explanation we reject infant baptism in the sense of that doesn't save you or that doesn't tie you with Christ. The ideal and what was going behind there is people were afraid of children dying. They also wanted to stay in the church, and it was kind of a commitment like if my child gets baptized now, maybe they'll receive Christ. But the Bible, you don't see that anywhere in the Bible as an example. You see people realize their need for Christ, accept Christ, and then follow in baptism. And so we are people, the book, and the book, uh, uh, the, 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 the book tells us that we believe in believer's baptism. So now I had a bunch of points there, and I had them marked down, okay, because I know some of you are that way. But in my markings here, I'm going to make sure I didn't miss one for you. Stalling, stalling, okay. It was there, okay, because Julie had to wait on him. Okay, um, well, okay. So I was trying to find, oh, the first one is ordinances. 
We believe, if you're going to celebrate the commands of Christ, we believe in the ordinance, the command of Christ. And the next thing, if you're going to celebrate the commands of Christ, just miss the first one, okay? One of those is believer's baptism. That is conscience and individual decision when someone can understand that. And baptism is essential that it leads, as a Baptist, but just as a believer, that it leads into the participation of the Lord's Supper. Now, Pastor, I don't even think I'm getting personal on this. Again, salvation is not at any age. It's when you're able to understand. You have in the Bible Josiah, who was, I think it was Josiah, who was the king at seven, and then you have those that have gotten saved later. So spiritual maturity and understanding is not based on physical age. So if a child has come to Christ, I have no issue with them partaking of the Lord's Supper. But this is where, again... This is a command and an observance. This is not the literal body and blood of Christ, but this is something that Jesus, we're going to get into, tells us to take seriously. And so many times, I, we, again, churches before would only limit the Lord's Supper if you were a member of that church. I don't biblically agree with that. But where the line is biblically is this. Have you received Christ? Have you followed, and if you hadn't been baptized and you're going to go that way, that's fine, but have you followed in believer's baptism? And that could be any physical age here. But what I have observed in 30-some years of ministry and the Lord's Supper is sometimes parents and individuals say, oh, just let them take it. Well, if they take of it, they're going to get disintegrated. No, they're not. Okay, I'm seeing if you're awake and half of you aren't. Okay. But And we've got a camera on the audience, so they see on Facebook if you're asleep. No, we don't, okay? Okay, but anyway, here's the deal. I've seen too many people like, oh, we're doing the Lord's Supper, and they'll learn about it, so let them partake of it. That's not biblical. It doesn't matter what age it is. And again, it's just an observance. It teaches your kids a lot when they watch mom and dad or whoever do that and ask the question, what's going on? What kind of conversation is that going to lead into? Well, you know what? This represents a decision that I made for Christ, that he died for my sins, and this is his body, and his blood was shed for my sins. And when I realize I'm a sin, do you see how we observe and participate and can teach? I don't care if it's kids or not, but that's a mistake I've seen in 30-plus uh, years of ministry. This is not a everybody take it kind of thing. It's have you made a decision for Christ? Are you a believer? And it teaches. And so, again, you can take that for what it is, but that's what it is. And so let's talk about the Lord's Supper. Christ initiated to fulfill and for us to remember. And the bread symbolizes Christ's body that was broken for us. And it's deeply rooted in the Old Testament. You can see in Isaiah 42, Isaiah 44, and Isaiah 53 that his body would be broken and would be bruised. And we're heading into Easter season next month. And the broken bread points to what Christ accomplished through his obedience on the cross. His body uh, was broken for us. And then the fruit of the vine represents his blood. The blood of atonement runs throughout all of Scripture. And a lot of people, that kind of turns them. It's like, well, that's bad, but we're in a society we don't think anybody pays for anything. Just stuff turns up and materializes. But somebody's paying for it, and there's going to be a payday someday. And we have not a fair God, but a righteous God. And there's a right and a wrong, and somebody's going to pay for it. And the thing about it is this. He didn't want you to go to hell, and he sent his son for you, so 
If you say, how can a loving God, a loving God did his part. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you don't choose him, it's on you. Because he's done his part. But there has, somebody has to pay. And so Jesus, fully God, fully man, again, we're unpackaging this more on Wednesday nights. He lived a life we couldn't live, tempted in all ways and did not sin, took our sin upon him, died and was buried, and rose from the dead so that we can have hope. Somebody paid for your salvation. It was Christ, and it was costly. Hebrews 9.22 says this, According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That last part is key. And some people, they're going to be like, really? God doesn't do do-overs. God does grace. And that grace is costly through the blood of Jesus Christ. Some find that offensive and, and, and crude, but this is the gospel. And he said the gospel will be offensive. And, and as we partake of the Lord's Supper, they thought Christians were cannibals. And Jesus said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God. We're not cannibals. We don't eat flesh and we don't drink blood. But this symbolizes the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the costly grace for our forgiveness. And so we need to remember that. And I think that's the biggest problem in American Christianity. We just think, oh, do whatever you want. Everybody's okay. We're not. This is costly. There's, there's no other way to affirm the good news and the gospel without affirming the shedding and the payment for our sins of Christ's perfect, sinless blood. This is why he said in Luke twenty two twenty in the same way he also took the cup and after supper said, this cup is a new covenant, my blood, which is poured out for you. And our, and our past churches haven't done it here. I don't feel as motivated still to do it, but we've done a Seder mill, and eventually I'll do that. But that Seder mill has to do with what the Jews did with, with Passover. And God initiated the Passover with the, with the Hebrews as they were leaving Egypt to remind them of the coming of Christ. And so they would have several cups to remember Christ's, God's redemption. And Jesus, this was at the time of the Passover, and the next day he was going to be crucified. When the Passover, at the time the Passover lamb was crucified it wasn't a coincidence it was the fact now you don't have to observe this it's really happening and jesus was crucified he was offered up for us and he initiated that night before the lord's supper and he added this cup of redemption himself it's awesome um this was a very picture of christ what he did on the cross it's the very core of our salvation and this is, this is what he said in Luke twenty two nineteen. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to him and said, This is my body which was given to you. This do in remembrance of me. This is not merely a memorial. It is a congregational body in which we have a covenant community and we're obedient to God's command. And that we're united as one in faith in our Lord and in baptism. Ephesians 4, 5 says this, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. When we do the Lord's Supper together, and this is why, you know, you don't have to be a member of a particular church. If you're a believer in Christ and fall in baptism, I've taken the Lord's Supper with other believers from other denominations. But we are talking about this unites us. We're united in Christ. There are so many different people here that we would never have anything to do with each other that we're so different personality-wise, likes-wise, but what brings us together? Christ. And so when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're remembering 
I needed his blood and I needed his body broken for me and it is finished and it is fulfilled. We obey Christ by remembering the sacrifice. It's not a, it's not a reenactment like a Civil War reenactment. It's not a passion play. It is a post-resurrection celebration, a commemoration of, of, the, of the saving work of Christ. Now, it doesn't, you know, your pastor's got to stay on it. I'd like to do this every two months, and sometimes I get off it, you know, and some churches do it way more. I'm not, I'm not putting any church down how they do it. But however you do it, if it becomes mundane and if, it, if you're not remembering the right thing, if it just becomes an act, you might need to take a pause. And so we do this to remember what Christ has done. And so uh, the, uh, we, we are regarded as believers to... Now, here's a requirement. Uh, and it goes on, the scripture says this, we're required as believers to examine, to look at our lives before participating in the Lord's Supper. When we have a time of invitation here in a little bit, take the time to look at your life. And again, what's been the mistake on baptism and the Lord's Supper is this. Oh, when I start acting a little bit better, I'll get baptized. Really? You know, it's not going to happen. And then the Lord's Supper's like, well, when I get this right, but some of you may have things... And it's sin in your life that you need to get right. You deal with it where you're at or at the altar or whatever. Or it may be something with somebody that you need to get right. And so, again, if somebody doesn't partake of the Lord's Supper, I'd rather than be uh, right with God. It doesn't mean you're not saved because you didn't do this. But he's saying take this time to th- look at your life and s- cleanse anything that you need to. And do not take it unworthily. The Lord's Supper alerts us to and keep on guard against persistent sin in our lives. We need to carefully observe the Lord's Supper and take seriously the process of examination and confession. And again, most of the time I've been able to do that right in the pew or whatever. But then there's been times it's like, you know what? I'm not there. I need to get this right. And you know what? If anybody... Th- is looking at you, and they shouldn't be. They should be looking at their shoes or whatever. You are now because half of you asleep. I'm just teasing. But anyway, you know, then they're, they're not looking at themselves. I would rather somebody be honest and be like, you know what? I need to get some things straightened out. Not to be more perfect, not to be better because that's not going to happen, but there's something there I need to get right. And as, and as with baptism, we believe the Lord's Supper is not a sacrament, but a command to obey. I'm not making light, but there's a lot that believe that this is the literal blood. When, we, when they take of the, of the Lord's Supper, that it becomes the literal blood and that it becomes the literal body of Christ. No, this is a symbol. And there have been other denominations that I, that I took uh, the Lord's Supper. And for me, I made sure at least they didn't believe that because I didn't want them to think I agree with that. It's not what Russell agrees with. But this is juice and really unleavened bread that tastes like cardboard, okay, whatever. But there's a reason for all that. We'll get into that later. But this is not the blood and body of Christ, but it symbolizes that. And so that's where we're at. They are elements that symbolize Christ's saving work on the cross, and we believe Christ is living in his redeemed people, not in the elements of the Lord's Supper. So your next... So your next one, celebrating the commands of Christ gives us elements to remember. Elements to remember. The Lord's Supper, the body, uh, the bread, and the the juice representing his blood. And we're going to mess you up. 
uh, when we pass this out here in a little bit, you're going to have a cup and you're going to only think you got one cup. But what I want you to do, and again, we're not in sin because we move this around. We're going to partake of the juice first because some of you, you know, are, are wearing things you don't want to get juice on. And then underneath that cup, after you've done the juice, you pull it out and the bread's in there. So, yes, we're going to pass out one thing and we're going to do juice first because if you're like me, I'd be like trying to get that out, you know, all over me. And at least I'm not wearing a white shirt. But uh, anyway, we won't get into that. So when, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we proclaim the death and the resurrection of Christ and look towards his return. When we celebrate baptism, we complete the picture God gives of a believer transformed by the grace of God. So your last fill-in. Celebrating the command of Christ means you are, con- you are to continually celebrate, observe, partic- participate. The bottom line, observing regularly baptism at the, and the Lord's Supper, teaches and reaffirms the basics of the gospel. And we should find great joy and satisfaction in observing and participating the commands. And then go back to that movie, you know, and the, the thing of baptism and what it shows. Those, it, there was a lot of people coming, and they're like, what's this about? And explaining what baptism is about. Explaining what the Lord's Supper is about. Now, here's the question I have for you today. Some of you don't know Christ. Some of you may, because I did youth ministry for a long time, and I'm not against it, and I'm glad people are doing children and youth ministry a little bit different. But if I wanted to, I could call a bunch of kids together at VBS and say, do you want to get saved? And they'd all say yes. Okay? And then I've heard story after story of adults that said, I went into a room because everybody else did. None of that's wrong. A massive invitation is not wrong, but guess what? It's an individual conscious decision. That may have been you. You may never have received Christ. You can come forward or talk to me after and receive Christ. Some of you may have never followed in believer's baptism. You're not in trouble. It's not a bad thing. My wife did it. Um, And it's this saying, I consciously have received Christ when I understood it. You may need to make that decision. Some of you may need to take the next step that you're a baptized believer and that you're a a, a Christian and you want to become a part of this imperfect body of believers. You can let us know that, whatever you want to do. And then a lot of you just need to have a time of prayer and look at your lives. Again, you're not going to be perfect. And realize, just lay that before God. It's interesting today. I'm all by myself and I can still sin, you know, my wife not being around. I didn't do anything bad. Okay, but it's like I got stalled coming to church and I had to go back and do something. I was kind of in a little mood by myself. Okay, I thought, boy, this is great for the Lord's Supper. That's as quick as you can do it. As we stand on our feet and have a time of looking at ourselves, whatever you need to do, make this a time of invitation in our life. Lord, I pray, however we need to be obedient to you, that we will do that today. In your name, Jesus, amen.